Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. We are going live with Patrick. Very enthusiastic today, Garrick. I just woke up from a nap. Um, and had to jump on here a half hour earlier than I thought, but you know, <laughs> taking naps. Still lying in bed, shirtless right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I'm pretty pumped up for this episode. We got Pat Lemieux coming on. Um, I think feel like he's been on a few podcasts, but today he's we haven't recorded yet, but he is going to really talk to the pros listening to this and any kind of elite athletes or people that want insight into how the pros market themselves and how they can be more marketable. Uh, Stoked to hear that. I mean, obviously he's an expert. He's a, he's a athlete manager, athlete agent, whatever you want to call it. We'll hear it from him exactly how he describes himself, but um, yeah. And you know, the sport's been changing a lot recently on the pro side and it's going to be interesting to hear his thoughts on that and how athletes can really take advantage of, new marketing opportunities with bigger races with the PTO and, and a uh, number of different things, but he's also married to Gwen Jorgensen in case you've seen Gwen Jorgensen's YouTube that she has. And he's on there sometimes with some of the family stuff. Um, so he's a pretty funny guy. I've heard. Yeah. I've never actually talked to him directly. I don't think I've ever actually talked to Gwen either, but he has moved into that space of athlete representation. He's a manager. Big athlete that he manages, that I think most people know about, is, is Lionel. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever heard about Lionel, but he's a pro triathlete from Canada. He, uh, he's won one or two 70.3s in Ironmans. Most recently, he won... Uh, is it two or is it just one? I think it's at least yeah. one for sure. We got a couple wins. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's literally won. I'm trying to think of the number of races I've been at that he's won. Like, I don't know, but it's a lot. Yeah, Lionel's won one or two races. Uh, I don't I don't know how many he's won that you've been at. And I can tell you he's won exactly one that I have been at for 70.3s. I think we've only actually raced once in a 70.3. Obviously, it's from Windsor, so we've gone head-to-head a few times at home, but... Yeah, and uh, actually, I am undefeated to Lionel in official races in Windsor, on Windsor soil. He has never beaten me. That we was have... not on soil. That was in the water. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Fifteen hundred pool, long course, right? Yeah, but that's just in Windsor. So if you leave Windsor, you go outside the county. He's beaten me there, but just in Windsor, he's never beaten me. That was, yeah, 1,500 long course where we both got beat by, like, a 13-year-old boy. (laughs) Um, Cool. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about with Pat. What else do we have going on that we can talk about? So, next races, we're getting ready for Des Moines. Garrick has come off his injury, and he's back to smashing it, uh, as far as I know. Is that accurate, Garrick? Are you crushing it, ready to win Des Moines? Yeah, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm actually in, I'm super excited to race. Like, I feel like I'm in a place where I'm ready to kind of 
you know, when you feel really excited to do something because you know that there's a goal that you've been aiming for that is very attainable now. Yep. I feel like you're in that place. And like, you're ready to do it. You've been training well and you're in shape. Like that's totally a good spot to be in for sure. Unfortunately, Des Moines not for another five weeks. Is that right? Or is it four? Something around Uh, there. Four or Uh, five. Today is five. Yeah. So five more weeks, but that's only four weeks of training, a week taper. Me, you, and Nick will be at that one. Unless by some miracle Guelph Lake happens, then I'll be doing that. But um, pretty confident that one's going to be canceled or actually hopefully postponed. I did reach out to the race director. He said it's probably going to be postponed and hopefully it happens in August, which would be a nice time to race. So we could do both, but yeah. And that works out well because they have Guelph Lake one and Guelph Lake two. So if they postpone it to Guelph Lake two, all the infrastructure is in place and I'm sure Canada is going to be in a much better spot or Ontario at that point, you just, the way everything's trending. Yeah, I would hope so. Things are getting a little better up here. Unfortunately, the lockdown did get extended, which anyone who's in Ontario knows. Um, But, you know, maybe it's for the best. Maybe the numbers will get really low. And after that, things can be somewhat back to normal. So uh, no pool swimming for another couple of weeks for the rest of us here in Ontario. But I do encourage you to brave the cold water and pick up a Blue 70 Thermal Reaction wetsuit from our team store and uh get that thermal cap and gloves and boots and jump in the lake it's about 55 fahrenheit here now in the in the water at the lake where i'm quarantining and it's quite doable really um so once you get past that first you know 30 seconds to a minute of very uncomfortable coldness it it quickly feels pretty comfortable try it out yeah and you know, if you can't afford the wetsuit, just go without a wetsuit at all and just totally fry any of your nerves and nothing will yep. feel cold ever again. Just don't go too far from shore because yeah. we do want you to survive. People do it. I mean, any like sanctioned open water swim that you do. So like if you swim across uh, the English Channel or across Lake Ontario or something, you're supposed to do it with no wetsuit to get it sanctioned. Yeah, it's not official if you use a wetsuit. So people just cover their entire bodies in Vaseline because it insulates and uh, it's not breathable. So it actually makes a big difference. I put it on my face if it's super cold and neck, and then I always put it on my hands if the water's even less than 60. And um, it makes a huge difference for sure. So just get a big tub of Vaseline if you can't afford a wetsuit, and you'll be fine. Yeah, I mean... Do we have that in the team store? Uh, we do not at this time. That would be a huge moneymaker for us, that $10 jug of Vaseline. I think so. Some Vaseline, some lube. You're doing, <laughs> doing pretty well. <laughs> oh, geez. Anyway, we should roll into this interview. Here's us with Pat Lemieux. And we honestly, we don't have a huge number of questions and stuff prepared, to be honest. So it's going to be, you know, kind of feel it out like we normally do. Even though we're very professional, we like to keep it. We are always prepared. We are always incredibly prepared. Don't listen to Jackson. Everything we do is very well planned out and we know exactly what we're doing a hundred percent of the time. So yeah. Just like when you didn't know what time it was supposed to be at like 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, just cue the music. Our mic's hot. Welcome to the show, Pat Lemieux. Thanks so much for joining us. Jackson, Garrick, uh, I'm bummed. I was really hoping I was going to see a van today on this Zoom screen. Um, I, there's no van that we're seeing, but I'm still really thrilled to be here. So, yeah, pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, Garrick will have to resurrect the van at some point uh, this year, hopefully. But for now, it's in hiding. But we're going to be talking with you, obviously, about your field of ex- expertise, which is sports marketing, especially in the endurance sports field. And you have experience with endurance sports in the past, and now you're more on the business side of it. So if you could just take our listeners through how you got involved in endurance sports and quickly touch upon your your past with you know athletics. Sure. So bicycle racing for me has always been a big passion of mine. Uh, you know, 14 years old, I got a road bike. And I was like, I want to figure out how to make this a career for me. I want to figure out how I can ride or race a bike full time. So I became a professional cyclist at a domestic level. Uh, I, I, in, the, in that process in 2011 and 2012, when I was racing full time and making a very small paycheck, um, I met a, met a woman by the name of Gwen Jorgensen. And she told me about this sport that she was doing called triathlon, right? Where it was swim, bike and run. But she was trying to explain it to me where they were on road bikes and they were drafting. And I was like, that's not the kind of triathlon that I'm used to or I know about. Um, and I said, well, where's your next race? And she goes, well, I'm, we were in Milwaukee at the time. And she goes, well, I'm going to Germany next week. And I thought, wow. I think you've got to fly over like 25 triathlons to get to this one in Germany. What's going on with this one in Germany? And she tried to explain it to me. I said, okay, that's interesting. Um, and this was in, we'll call it June of 2011. And, you know, less than eight weeks later, she qualified for her first Olympic games. And we're almost 10 years later now uh, we're married and we've got a three-year-old son and, and the rest is history. That's awesome. Do you think, kind of a side question, do you think speed goggles had anything to play when you met Gwen? I don't, I don't, um, I'll say, yeah, for the ones that she had on me, you know, that was, I, <laughs> she, she gave me her phone number. And I think the thing that she's most impressed with is that I was, I was riding no handed when I input her phone number into my phone. I said, well, I'll give you a call. Let's go have dinner afterwards. So um, yeah, she had the speed goggles for me. <laughs> that's awesome that's so cool so um professional cycling that was where you started out and then obviously as you and Gwen kind of you know got married and obviously through from 2011 and now got to know each other a lot better um she was a huge name in the sport and if triathlon and now is a huge name in running but she won an olympic gold medal and of course in that process, I'm sure you learned a lot about the marketing side of triathlon. How did, how did you get into kind of the management side and did it have anything to do with Gwen um, and her like kind of business side with her or was, was your development in that kind of separate from her? By accident, totally by accident. So, you know, I would say I've, I've watched Gwen, I sat next to her career and understood as she brought on sponsors, engaged with sponsors, uh, tried to create, ROI for them. I was watching the steps on what she was doing and I was watching others to see what others were doing that sponsors or fans found interesting. Uh, about 
two plus years ago, I had a young woman by the name of Ellen Noble, who's a uh, cyclocross athlete by trade, reach out to me and say, you know, I, I want you to be my, my manager, my agent. And I, I was shocked. I thought, wow, um, that's not on my radar. How could it be on yours? And she just thought, well, you know, you're, you live with an endurance, you know, a world-class endurance female who's getting both endemic and non-endemic brand deals. Maybe you could help me out. And so I really just looked at Ellen the same way that I would Gwen and thought, okay, how can we, what is Ellen doing correctly from a performance standpoint? And then what, what is she doing correctly from a brand standpoint? And how can we make those two worlds collide and, and um, help her make a little bit of more money for her future? And for you being, so coming on as an agent and kind of moving into that as your profession, going from professional cyclist to really being like Gwen's number one support supporter and then moving into this, how has that really changed your life? And what does, what does it look like? What's it like being an agent? Um, every day there's a curveball. Every day there's something that's, there's, it's, it, I talk about it being a roller coaster. So you can have on the same day, if you've got, a, I've got a handful of athletes now, and I like to, I like to, dip, I like to make it clear that Gwen is, I don't represent Gwen. Gwen has her own team. She has, she has her own agent, but I've learned so much being next to her. Um, I can have on the same day, you can have an athlete win a massive race and you can have an athlete lose a massive race. So I think that what I'm every day, I'm humbled by something. And that's, I still wake up every morning and there will be one amazing email and then one brutal email. And it's, it's always, um, it's always a balance. Nice. And so, uh, in terms of your relationship with your athletes, so most athletes, because you're not a coach, uh, for these athletes, correct? You're just correct. correct. You're, you're, you do the agent manager role. How is that relationship with the athletes? Sure. So uh, do you, like, are you asking about how I would, how I would speak to their coach or my relationship with the coach in particular? Your relationship with the athlete in particular, in particular. Sure. Sure. So I want to be, the biggest thing for me is to be aligned with the athlete from a performance standpoint. So one, one well, the most important thing for me is to understand what is an athlete's goal and then how do the athlete and coach achieve that? And then how do I assist them in, in earning a living along the way? But for me, the North star is always the, the performance piece. And we're always doing something in the name of, okay, well, what's our goal? Jackson for you would be winning Kona for another athlete. It's winning an Olympic gold medal for somebody else. It's winning a national championship. And every decision for me should really be, you know, look, um, seen through the lens of, will this help me win down the, down the road or not? Wow. That's, that's a really, that's not exactly at all what I would have expected you to answer there, which is, it's great that you did, because I think when, um, you know, when people think of agents or you know, people that want to get involved with the professional side, they think, oh, they're just going to try to make as much money as they can or as much money for me as they can. And it doesn't yeah. really matter how yeah. well I perform because it's all about money. So that's yep. quite a unique, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of agents who think that way as well or managers, but um, that's, you know, 
from an athlete perspective, that's obviously what you want because the point of having a manager isn't just to make you more money. It's to take a lot of that stress off. I would think of, Oh, you know what? I'm have 10 sponsor emails today that I got to deal with, but I also have a six hour training day. Like, how am I going to balance yeah. all that? Yeah. And the biggest thing that I like to think of as well is back on the time when I was an athlete and I've got an interesting mindset around it where I feel like I can see one step ahead or around the corner as what what an athlete may need with the situation coming up so understanding is it race week and I know that they're going to be bombarded with requests and we try to plan out some time to say okay I, we, we anticipate that you're going to have this many media requests here's the pathway and how we're going to deal with all of them and here's how we're going to rank them and say okay we're going to pick the top two this week and then the rest I'll say no to Uh, sorry, that's really, you know, an interesting perspective to have on it. And I can definitely appreciate why that is beneficial for everyone involved. Um, now, we definitely want to talk about, you know, triathlon, I mean, endurance sports in general, but I wanted to get your take on how triathlon, especially kind of more long course and non-drafting style triathlon has changed over the last few years as the PTO has come in and become more involved there's been a big influx of potential earnings for some of the more um, higher ranked athletes and there's more opportunities for sponsors as well, because there's just more eyeballs on the sport now. So what have you seen yep. as that changing the sport? Yeah, I think it, the biggest thing with the PTO and what's going on in triathlon right now that has me really excited is there's actually less professional races happening. So come race day, we're seeing what I think is like a world championship field assembled. So I look at a race like Galveston, which I would normally call a tier three or tier four, 70.3 that sponsors didn't really have a lot of place, a lot of importance around. And all of a sudden the start list is full. It's really deep. And it's a race that an audience is really attracted to. And same thing that happened in St. George, that's going to be a world championship in September but Jackson, you were there. I'm sure you can attest, you can fill us in on what the, the energy already felt like a world championship there a few weeks ago, didn't it? Yeah, for sure. It was, I think it was a combination of a few things, but definitely the fact that there are fewer races right now and it was a North American championship with quite a good prize purse, but also a lot of guys wanted to go there, see the course, see the climate and get used to that course so that they can really crush it in September. So all those yep. factors came together and all of a sudden, yeah, it was like, you're just looking around and you're like, there's like probably 20, 30 guys here who have multiple wins in their career, at least like it yep. was crazy. Yep. And I want to just the, the close the point on the PTO. Um, the PTO's job has been to advocate and advertise for the professional athletes, which I think can only be seen as a positive. I don't have to agree with everything else that the PTO has done along the way, but the fact that they've created a platform that was solely made for professionals, I have to applaud and support. Yeah. And for sure, I definitely agree with you. I think just the fact that they're getting involved and really pushing it hard really uplifts the sport. And you saw it at St. George, you have all these athletes show up. There's such this hype around it. And all of a sudden, Ironman was like 
man, we got to get our act together at least a little bit. And they decided to cover it with Iron Man. Now they, it seemed like they made that decision like the week before. And that's something that yeah. I feel like they know they missed out on in Galveston. So that was good to know. That's right. And I think that's directly because PTO put pressure on them with their coverage of Miami and Daytona. Yeah. Yeah. And my understanding is that the numbers from St. George were fantastic. So that at least they got some positive feedback to say like, Hey, look, if we cover these races, there are, you know, thousands and thousands of people that are watching them and are really excited about it. So yeah, it was like, I mean, I, I hopped on the feed and, and the amount of comments that were coming through and how many people were interacting with it was, was just tremendous. It was awesome. And it helped that in the men's field, we had the big rivalry between Sam Long and well, the athlete you um, represent in Lionel Sanders. So yeah. that's been hyped up for a while now. And that yeah. was good that we got that coverage of that because if that didn't happen and there was no coverage of that, I could just imagine the uproar. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was, when I reflect on that race, the biggest thing for me was the lead changes. I haven't seen a long course triathlon in a 70.3 where the lead changed that many times, both on the bike and then on the run. So uh, there were some, some friends of mine that were watching St. George for the very first time. And they were just like, I'm blown away with how exciting this race has been. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to burst your bubble, but like, this is not what you are seeing today is something really special and this will not, I cannot guarantee this will happen at every single 70.3 after this yeah <laughs> but that was awesome so but moving into like athletes you represent and when you're when an athlete is looking for either you to represent them or you're looking to represent them what do you look for in an athlete sure I think the word talent gets thrown around way too much. And so my, my knee jerk reaction would be talent, but what is talent? What does that look like? Uh, I go back to when I was a bike racer, I was not physically talented. I was very talented at reading the races, reading the courses, understanding what was going to happen, understanding body language and really looking at each individual athlete within the race and then reading how I thought the race was going to play out. I believe that that has carried over to, I'll call it like my athlete scouting. And there's something that I'm looking for. I, I'm not sure what it is, what's interesting um, in those athletes. I clearly, there's a talent component where they have to perform at the highest level. And then there's some X factor that's attached to that afterwards. I would say like when I'm looking at any sort of athlete, the first thing that I'm trying to in like a discovery phase would be understanding who their coach is. So if we look at all other sports, we could look at, you know, football, basketball behind every great athlete is an even better coach. And so it's finding and identifying those fantastic coaches first for me. And those, those to me signal the biggest clues of an athlete's potential. That's pretty cool. And not, again, not what I would have expected to hear um, in terms of looking at the coach a lot. What did you, what did you expect to hear? Uh, I didn't hear, I didn't think you'd say anything about the coach. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I'm the most, coaching is what I'm always very, very curious about. And I don't know. Uh, I had fantastic coaches around me when I was learning to bike race. And I don't know where that is. Uh, if that was part of it, I would say Gwen has been blessed with 
some really, really fantastic coaching. And so that's probably made me lean into that a little bit harder as well. Um, but that's, that's a big one for me. Right. Cool. So now let's getting into a little bit more kind of general, um, marketing as you know, endurance athletes, um, obviously there's people who market themselves very well in the sport. There's people who market themselves not as well. And I would say the biggest correlation, this isn't always true, but the biggest correlation between that is the, the better athletes who are more successful also market themselves better. It seems to be on average. And I think that probably comes from a place of funding. A lot of these athletes can support teams to follow them around with cameras and, you know, have managers and all these sorts of things. So, what, what do you think it is that the athletes who aren't necessarily as well off financially or aren't hitting those top threes in races often, what can they do to market themselves better without having to invest a ton of money into it? Find a niche. Uh, so I would say go really deep into it. We'll use triathlon for an example. If you're a fan, if you're the best swimmer, arguably the best swimmer in the sport of Ironman, but you're not necessarily top three on the results sheet every single time go really really deep with swim gear and say look i'm the best swimmer on the start line i'm gonna i'm gonna walk you through how you're gonna prepare for ironman quarter lane perfectly i've tested wetsuits i know what goggles to use because i know where the sun is gonna be lay out all of those plan lay out your plan meticulously share your plan meticulously same thing if you're the best on the bike say look, this is what's going to help you have the best bike at Ironman Galveston or whatever that may be. Or if it's sharing your feeding, like the nutrition piece is always one that gets dropped so hard in triathlon for most people racing. I have yet to see a triathlete just share their nutrition plan of what they're doing perfectly, how they're rehearsing their training and then how they're going to execute on race day and lay it all out. Lionel's done it a little bit. I saw Sam Long do something, but continue to go very, um, very narrow, but as deep as you can go in a certain topic. And I think you'd have a fantastic return there. Mm. And then it would, and then it would roll over. So say if you were doing, if you were doing the, the swim or the shoot testing, then you'd be able to, if you had a, a backlog of all that, all the testing that you've done, what I say to people all the time, is like, show me what you've done. And then we'll be able to ask for money on top of it. So Uh, people a lot of times get confused and they say, well, if I had $500, then I could do this video. And it's like, well, show me what you can do with your iPhone for free six times. And then I bet I can convince a company to get you paid for the seventh one and then the eighth one. And then we'll go from there. I like that. Yeah. I I think, you know, and sometimes it might be a little tougher for some of the athletes. Like let's say someone's, I don't know. Let's just, let's just say that in a race of 40 pros, they're typically 20th to 30th and they're not the best swimmer or biker or runner, but everyone has that thing that they're best at. So like even a guy or a girl who's finishing in the second half of the field, but maybe they pass 10 people every time they run and they're, you know, a top 10 run split, they can work with that. And uh, obviously it becomes challenging to fully, you know, get paid and make a living at it, but there's things people can definitely do better. Um, Yeah. And you know what I, what I always want, the video I always want to make that I really, that I always pride myself on, I knew how to pack a bike better than anybody. 
So we would fly all over the world, Gwen and myself. We never broke a bike. And I had like a very strict protocol for how to pack the bike. It was very different, soft shell bags, all these like different things. Um, but we never broke a bike. I'd like to see an athlete talk about how to fly with your bike to a race where it doesn't break, you know, and just be vulnerable, show those little quirks and nuances. And I think that it does not matter what, what place you get on race day. It helps. Certainly it would really help. But if you, if you become the person that specializes in something that will be, that will be your breakthrough. Like having a van, right, Garrett? Yeah, I was just saying exactly. that's, like, that's exactly what we tried to do. And then uh, I think we put out about four episodes on YouTube and then our van got stuck in Canada. So. Oh, you'll be back. You'll be back. It'll get but, back. But anecdotally, those videos had huge amounts of views, especially the van build. And, uh, you know, you definitely got a lot of traction with that van seared. Yeah, so hopefully I'll be back and my niche will be racing, going to going to races in the van. But awesome. Yeah. Until then, who knows? So Pat, I know you know you're. I'm not sure how many athletes you represent, but this is kind of your main gig now. Um, what would you say, like over the last, you know, whatever number of years that you've been doing this? that you've learned that's kind of changed from what you initially thought the job would be like, um, as an agent. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the service industry and not the sales industry. So I, I work for my clients. I don't just sell them. So, you know, I remember before one race, I had a client, it was incredibly muddy out and he said, I need, these saber tooth spikes for my shoe that are from Bontrager. Now this is the muddiest race. It's the latest part of the afternoon. The venue sold out of all of them. And I just thought Steven needs these saber tooth spikes to perform today. How am I going to find them? Nobody had them for sale. Nobody had them in the trailers. I went around parking the parking lots where everybody was cleaning up. And I said, do you have these saber tooth things on your shoes? Who's got them? I bought them off of a kid who finished his race a couple hours ago before and he's like, well, what do you need them for? And I said, well, I need them for Steven. And he just ripped them off his shoes immediately. And an hour before the race, I delivered these special spikes to my client. Now, is that something that I get 15% on? Absolutely not. But it was something that my client needed and that I wanted to deliver for him. And I did everything in my ability to get him what he needed for race day. That's cool. yeah. yeah, not being in sales, that's... That's a pretty cool way to look at it. Cause how many times at the, you know, I think every year, every athlete sometime around September through December, <laughs> they're like, Oh my gosh, I need to land a couple sponsors or sell or reland. And then it's like, how am I going to sell myself? And Oh man, that's uh, yep. being in sales is thinking about it as being a salesman is not an easy way to do it. So <laughs> yep. sure. yeah. Uh, I think a big thing too is that I want to ask you is kind of single sport athletes versus triathletes. I know I've spent a lot of time with runners and I feel like they don't fully understand what sponsors are looking for. Uh, and we're triathletes. I know we have a lot more options because it is three sports, 
but have you noticed a difference on how runners now that Gwen is really with the Bowerman Club and uh, you spend time with a lot of triathletes before with her and now? Do you really notice a difference between the two? Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing is that I thought of when you asked that question was runners have come from a team sport and a collegiate system typically where everything is taken care of for them, right? So if you're on, you know, even just like a moderate D1 school, you don't really have to do anything except run and everything else is taken care of for you. Like it's very professional, but the collegiate system is very professional, right? So then all of a sudden you get to then out of college, you're 23 years old, you haven't had to market yourself or do these other things. And then you're on a running for a shoe company and you can kind of just do the same thing. So I don't think that there's in the sport of running, there's been this great awakening to see, to see like outside of their scope of like, oh, I can provide value for partners in these other ways. And I can provide value to another brand besides just the shoe on my feet. So I think naturally triathletes are always, have always come from three different sports and they've kind of all, they're just, they've seen a little bit more in their upbringing. So by the time they get to being a professional, they've already hustled. They've had to like do a deal to get cost at a bike shop when they were 17 years old. And then they had to go deal with the run store. So I feel like that the hustle has already been programmed into them a little bit more. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. That's a great point about uh, get the bike shop, you know, discount when you're 17, like everybody's, <laughs> well, I'm a pro. And then, you know, I'll tell people I like your stuff and <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So as you know, we have, um, our podcast focuses on the pros and we probably have some pro listeners. So if you're like, who do you want? Who would you love to work with that you don't, that you just, you want to say, Hey, come work with me and just <laughs> right now. They probably don't um, listen. You never know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I want to deal with, I want to deal with athletes that are scrappy and that work hard and that, that have a great coach and that they believe in themselves and they want to, they want to do awesome things in the sport. I don't, if you're an athlete and you come to me and you say, I want to make a lot of money. I don't have a lot of interest in working with you. That's a byproduct of success. Sure. But if you come to me and you say, I want to win Kona, I want to win the Olympics. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's my coach. This is what I've been training for. I started here and I've been slowly moving up and to the right on this graph. Like that's where I want to dig in and learn more about you. So um, that's, that's what excites me every day. Winning is, uh, is what motivates me to wake up every morning. And I want to focus on that. I want to, I want to be a part of that. And are you capped out with athletes right now, or are you still taking on new athletes? And if, someone... if you if you ask if you ask my wife, I'm tapped out. I'm 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 full. But uh, there's always special services where it would be like, you know, Gwen. Pretty here's the case. Here's my case for bringing on this athlete. And I've been I've been full before, and you know, Gwen will look at the facts and will say, I think you need to bring this athlete on. That's a really that that seems to make sense. Well, luckily, she probably doesn't listen to the podcast. So, by saying you're not full, you're not going to get in trouble. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I feel like she's sitting over his right shoulder, though. 
Yes, we're in a hotel room in uh, LA. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> she knows. She knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's been pretty inclusive. Is there anything else you want to touch on that we didn't touch on? We want to hear, you know, your insight. And obviously, we all have room to improvement on the business side. So, what would you, what would you say to? to us or anybody if they want to improve the business side of their sport without, you know, all consuming and taking over their training and making life stressful. Yeah. Um, be vulnerable, show us what you're good at, show us what you want to be better at and, and, um, and document it. You know, I want to, I want to see, I want to see the person that knows all about tires and triathlon. There's just so much more room that, uh, of people to go as narrow as possible. I want to see a lot more about shoe testing. I want to hear a lot more about suit testing. Those things are all very interesting to me. Um, you know, and I'm, and I'm excited about where triathlon is right now. I think I go back to the reduced calendar for the, for the long course stuff, I think will ultimately be the best thing that happened to the sport. I haven't seen I haven't seen this many brands and this many brand managers reaching out to me that were like, I watched the race on Saturday. That was so cool. Um, and I, they don't have any, really any skin in the game. They're just, they're watching the triathlon because they know what's going on. And I think that's the best thing that can happen to our sport. Yeah, I agree hundred percent with that. It's been a lot of people have been like just tuning into stuff. I, I had buddies that have never watched triathlon before and they watch Miami and they're like, dude, this is so exciting. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Same. Like, you know, you have, uh, everybody's got their cheering squad, aunts and uncles and whatnot that are like, great job in your race. But I actually had, you know, family members who've never watched a race be like, yeah, this was super exciting. Like I loved watching it. Like, yeah. and even, even like, you know, I think that they're going to improve and can improve on the coverage and stuff because it's obvious that this is pretty new. Um, yep. and people that are looking to the future of it and seeing that triathlon can grow. It's, it's pretty neat. Yep. Oh, that's great. Sweet. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot for, for coming on. Uh, it's a great episode. We're super happy to have you. But that was a great episode there with Pat coming on. That was awesome. Uh, I mean, it's all about marketability, right? Like, that's what it is. I'm glad that we got to hear it coming from straight from a source, straight from an agent. It would be great if Nick was here to listen, but obviously he's getting a balayage done at the hairdresser right now. Or uh, I think it was a perm. Oh, it was a perm? I think so. Something like yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> Too bad, but you know what? Yeah, it was cool. I, a lot of surprising things for me from Pat, the just, you know, different way of thinking than what I would have thought an agent would kind of be geared towards. So that's pretty cool. And obviously if, if an agent's making an athlete's life easier at the same time as helping them to, you know, market themselves and make more money, really, um, that's a huge, huge win. So pretty yeah. cool. The coaching thing was, was a surprise. Uh, but when you think about it, it's really not a surprise. Like he's been around, like he's seen Gwen really go from, well, 2011, she was just up and coming until she won her gold in, in 2016. And he probably saw her build her, her sponsorship base and kind of her, her following in general. And he's been around and he was entrenched in that whole triathlon community. And he's just carrying it over to long course now with, 
representing athletes and obviously he had his pro career as well. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Pretty neat episode. Everybody let us know what you think of this kind of stuff. And I think I heard um, a request to ha- try to have Ben Canute on. Um, so we should maybe try that. And we do listen to requests. So somebody posted, it was either on my own personal Instagram account or the team account that they want us to try to interview Ben Canute. So that's what we're going to do because we care about you guys. We appreciate that you support us and listen to our episodes. And, you know, some of you guys have jumped on the Patreon, which is awesome. And don't forget to do that. Jump into the patron. You're going to be entered to win a set of, it's a speed hound recovery system. So we're talking recovery boots. These things are worth a lot of money. They're a really high end recovery tool that work really well. So definitely sign up for the patron. It's always going to be in the show notes, support us there, support our sponsors. And, uh, we appreciate you. Yeah, guys jump on that Patreon. That's going to be awesome. That giveaway. And you're going to get access to our Q and a page. So that will be answering next episode. So stay tuned for that. Hop on there, ask some questions. We'd love to hear it, whether it's just general questions about us or training advice or life advice can pretend like we know what we're talking about and we're totally life experts for sure yeah totally well garrick is buying a house so or he bought a house him and him and his lovely girlfriend yeah and jack so, owns a house nick owns a house we're so, all homeowners so maybe we should some, do an episode on homeownership yeah and, some somehow we all own houses despite being professional triathletes so yeah we gotta be doing something right that's right. Or something very wrong. One or the other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I got to get in this freaking lake. So let's wrap this up. All right. Cool. Well, until next time, peace. Out. Out. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.